order. Okay. Uh, today we are doing uh, Perik Dalid in the Mishnah. Right? We've been talking about what's the last thing we've been talking about the last couple of weeks. Uh, Zihirus, being careful, analyzing, being thoughtful about your actions, taking a cheshbon anefesh. Right? We decided. We talked about how a person needs to define what their path should be. You have to define good and evil. You need to define your roadmap. You need to define your ladder. Whatever you're going to be using. Uh, to figure out what you should be doing, and then once you know what you should be doing, right, then you should, uh, you know, go back to the two items and analyze them. The items being uh, the the good versus bad, the chatayim versus the, the aver, uh, versus the mitzvos, right? The, the actual, right? Am I eating kosher or treif? That's obviously that's that's a, and then b. Once I'm eating kosher, so baruch Hashem, But how you know how much of that action is for me? Or how much is that action is for for other reasons? Is it, is it for maybe because you're trying to catch someone's eye, or you're trying to do it because it's cheaper, or et cetera, et cetera? So we talked about cheshbon anefesh, right? We talked about uh, trying to analyze our, our lives and not just running through life without uh, you know throwing out an anchor uh, and not getting swept away uh, by the river. Now this parak. Where's worth? To be honest, is where things start to get a little heavier. Um, not depressing, God forbid, but a little bit more heavy and, shall we say, less Shana Alafi. Um, I guess that's the best way to explain it. And we're all adults here and we guys can talk for real, so that's fine. I don't have to be worried about, uh, you know, making you go and run off and uh, drink yourself into oblivion. So so basically, he says the Ramchal. I'm just, I'm just, I'm just messing around. It, it's midnight for me, guys. Things are going to come out. Okay. So, um, so it says Ramchal, if you're in Parag Dalad, I'm on uh, page uh, 22, Chav Beis. How do we acquire this midah? I mean, a person wants to do this. A person wants to be able to do a cheshbet and nefesh, to think about their lives, etc. What's going to help reinforce and help this move, move forward? So the first thing he says in the first paragraph, not shockingly, right, is what we started our whole discussion with, right? That we're talking about this ladder created by Pinchas ben Yair in the Gemara Navodah Zara. So if you look at just the first paragraph over here, he says, Torah mevia lide zihirus, right? That we started with Torah, defining good and evil, and that will bring us to zihirus, to, bring, to being careful, to being thoughtful about our lives. So what does that mean? How do we use the Torah to teach us how to be careful. So, as, as he says in the second paragraph over here, you have to simply again, if you're if you remember, if you just got the book or you're just following, I'm going to try and more paraphrase as opposed to read actual text. I feel like that's not going to be so gishmak. But so he says in the second paragraph over here, I'm not going to go paragraph by paragraph, but you guys have been here long enough. So he says in the second paragraph that basically you should go through the sources in the Torah uh, and uh, see what they say. Right? And, and what he points out, the, the omek hadin aleha, if you look at that second line, that's the key line here. The depth of the din, the depth of the judgment uh, that is upon us. And we should look in all the, all the texts. That, and all these te- what these texts will show is that the details are very, very, are very important. Now, what does that mean? That if, if you learn random halachas, you're going to be automatically zahir, you're automatically going to be careful. Well, first of all, yes. And that's, uh, I remember asking uh, Refreshal Shachter, Rashi Wayu, uh, if you're ever struggling with a certain halacha, so what, what should, let's say, take kosher, is an easy example, so what do you do? So he said, study the laws of kosher, because that has a powerful, a magic, almost magical ability to affect your kohos, to affect your abilities 
uh, in that halacha. So yes, first of all, that is true. If you're struggling with a certain area of halacha, so study that halacha. If you're struggling with Shabbos, study Shabbos. If you're struggling with Yichud, study Yichud. That's a thing. That's for sure a thing that's mentioned all over uh, Chazal. But that's not really what we're talking about. What he says is, as we're going to see a bunch of sources later about personalities in the Chumash and Tanakh, etc., that there are tons of sources that show the importance of the details. That yes, it is true that Rahman Aliba Boy, that Akash who wants our hearts, but the details are important and it shows exactly uh, how, the way Akash Baruch Hu responds to small little tiny things, right, shows us how seriously Akash Baruch Hu takes those details. And before we get to those details, first the Ramchal says that there are, he, in his opinion, there are three types of things that motivate people to be careful in their lives. He's going to, uh, in this paragraph, yeah, okay. He basically, he says there, there are three. There are th- I'm just in the third paragraph on page Chafbez. Uh, I'm not going to read over the next like six, seven paragraphs, but I'll try and paraphrase what he says. He says there are three things that motivate people. First of all, there are, at the very top of the food chain, and this is not necessarily greater milas, but it's, it's just the way people operate. Um, it, first of all, there are perfectionists. Where if you are a perfectionist, so a person is driven by perfection. We all know these types of people in school. We hate them, right? They have to get a hundred, and if they get a ninety-nine, they are crying and they are going to the teacher and complaining about their ninety-nine and how they thought that they extra. But we we all know these people and we despise them. If you are one of them, I apologize, but sorry, that's how the rest of the world views you. Anyway, there are perfectionists. And you have to have perfectionists. Uh, that Moshe Rabbeinu, for example, famous perfectionist, right? He said, Hamorim, right? And that was the, the last week's parsha, and uh, and that was it. Right? He, he, these people stop at nothing to do what is right because it is right. What, once it is clear to them what the avoda is, right, they will stop at nothing to do it. Uh, I, I tell the story about. Again, my friend Chaim Feigenbaum, who was nifter about 10 years ago from leukemia, he was in the hospital, asked his friends, what's my avoda? And they're like, you're an idiot, your avoda is to get better. He said, what's my avoda? He always wanted to know what his avoda is. It's a story about Rav Baruch Ber, that uh, Talmud of the Briskarov, he, he was, his father was very ill, and uh, he, he took it upon himself to, to be by his bedside. And, you know, he was affecting him mentally and, and physically, and he was he was Rosh Hashim in his own right, meaning the Rav Baruch Ber. So they said, listen, you know, you can't stay here for weeks. You know, it's affecting you. You have to you have to arrange some sort of back and forth. Someone will come and sit and take care of him, etc. So as the stories usually go, sure enough, one of the shifts where he was off, his father passed away. And uh, he was inconsolable. Rav Baruch Ber was inconsolable. Story goes, wouldn't accept anything. Everybody came to saying, it's not your fault. It's not you did what you had to. You have to take care of yourself, etc. Wouldn't accept it. Wouldn't be masking. Finally, Chavetz Chaim was coming by, passing through. Um, didn't, I don't know if he was going to Menachem Aval. I think it happened months later, so I, I don't think so. But either way, Chavetz Chaim was passing through, and he spoke to him for five minutes. Rav Baruch Ber took off of his uh, all his Avelis cloth, agreed to go back to giving shear, like nothing had, nothing had changed. So everybody asked, what, I don't understand what happened. So he explained that everybody had been telling him, it's not your fault, it's not your fault, it's not a chayd, it's not your fault, it's not your fault. Right? So, but the Chavetz Chaim said, no, let, let's say you're right, and, and you blew it. And it was a terrible breach of Kivit Avein. But what do you do now? What you do now, as we'll see by the end of the at the end of this chapter, is you do tshuva and you move on. I mean, Pesach says, What does God want from you now? Right? What does God want from you now? 
Right? At this moment in time, what does God want from you? So you blew it. So you messed up. So fine. So do tshuva and move on. So that's, that's what a kosh baruch Hu wants from you. So people, these types of people who are so attuned to what their avoda is, like the Chavetz Chaim, like Rebarach Ber, right, they start nothing short of perfection. And that's what they po- put all their, their efforts into. They always, they always self-analyze. That's one group of people. Another group of people, uh, uh, just trying to read through this. Uh, okay, I mean, and this is, it just quote, points out, just parenthetically, when Shlomo Melech said, Ashrei Adam Mefachid told me that these types of people, it, it is praiseworthy for someone who is always afraid. And it doesn't mean that someone who is always afraid, is, he says, I'm reading the second paragraph on, on page Chav Gimel. What does that mean? Simply that a person always has appropriate perspective and is appropriate nervousness. A person is always trying to think about their avoda, meaning that uh, it doesn't have to be a person that has to be always terrified. Even when they're besimcha, even let's say when they're at a wedding. They, my Rebbe Riff Miller gave, uh, gave a great mashal. He said even when they're dancing at, at a relative's wedding right, and they have their kid on their shoulders, they're still being careful that the kid shouldn't fall off their shoulders. So that's the same idea. Even when you're being matzliach, and even when everything's great, you're still always being careful uh, you know, not to ruin... Right, you're about Hashem. That's the concept of Yiretami, to be always to be always afraid. I thought that was just a good point to throw it out over there. Okay. Um, that's one type of person who's driven by just a perfectionist. Okay? Another type of person, he says a pachusimimena, these people are less, I guess, less. Uh, they are motivated by kavod. That for whatever reason, that these people right have a, a desire for kavod. Now this doesn't mean like the power-hungry villain in every movie you've ever seen. We, what this means is like the kavod that a person has in his or her own life. Right? All of us have a certain level of kavod that we, not demand, but we kind of inherently expect to be given. Uh, you know, obviously, that uh, we kind of look around, maybe not consciously, but, but, but that motivates a person. A person wants to be well-respected. A person wants to be honored. This is their oxygen. Right. They look at what the Ramchal has written in, in, in so far, and they say, okay, well, if the scar of the next world is based on my actions, so I guess I get, might as well get my actions in, in tail. Right? They realize that uh, you know we're all going to be in a baseball stadium, and some of us will be in the bleachers, and some of us will be in the box seats, and they want to be down near the field so they can see the game. Okay, boy, boy, uh, Marshall, I apologize. But you get my point. So these people will be embarrassed by their own stature, their lack of kavod. So that drives them. That keeps them straight. Uh, and says the Ramchal that uh, those people very often right, will be... Uh, a, a section of these people are, are going to just think, it's just enough for me to get in the party. This is a very fascinating, very sharp insight. He says a lot of these people who want the cover, they just want to be, co- they just want the cover of being there. Right? A lot of us go through life and definitely spiritual life, thinking, just do it. I'll just do what I need. I'll just do what I can. Right? I'll get into okay, okay, okay. I won't have the greatest share in Olam Haba. I'll have a mediocre share in Olam Haba. Okay, I'll keep these mitzvahs. I won't keep those mitzvahs. He says says Ramchal, these people are fools. Right? They're pesayim. Now the pasuk says Shomer pesayim Hashem. That Hashem takes care of fools. These people are foolish, and he says that it's really a, a seduction of the Yitzhahara. Because the Yitzhahara is just, these people are really just trying to lighten the load of themselves. And this is how people rationalize, right? People rationalize, I'll basically keep kosher, I'll basically keep tzniyas, I'll basically shomer, I'm basically from, I'm basically Jewish. Says Ramchal, no, 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 that's, that's a, that's a pitui, that's a seduction of the Yitzhahara. Because Taklas, by these type of people who are motivated by kavod, they will work their tuchas off in this world to get job, stature in shul, 
wife, kids into good schools, etc. But when it comes to the next world, all of a sudden, mm, I just need to get a foot in the door. So how are they going to feel? How are they going to feel? They're going to show this is a guy who's driven by COVID. He wants to get an aliyah, you know, uh, every Shabbos or whatever. Yeah, I'm not talking about big belly gaiva, just people who want to be properly treated. Then all of a sudden, they're just, they haven't really done so much. In the next world, they're going to be, you know, a vendor by the popcorn machine. It's not so gishmak. So that, that's, that's, that's another type of people who are, who are, uh, who are you know, fighting with the Yitzhahara. The one, again, was the perfectionist. Two is the person who's driven by kavod. And the third, <coughs> sorry. Um, oh, no, sorry. Just kidding. He hasn't got to the third yet. Um, right. And he's, yeah, mini, uh, okay, fine. Okay, he still talk, he goes a little bit further about uh, these people who kind of just kind of rationalize that they don't necessarily need to work as hard. Right, he says it again. Again, it's important for me to emphasize um, uh, that uh, yeah, right. Okay, they don't realize the truth of the value. Okay, fine, etc., etc. I'm, I'm on page Daf uh, now. I'm just I skipped a couple of pages. That's why you hear me mumbling. Um, right. If you look at that, uh, the people will have like um, yeah. Right, he knew Yasur Mehem Pituyam Arazmamsh Lo Yolem. Ah, yeah, that, that's right. That's what I want to mention. That's what I have underlined. I was trying to figure out what it was. So that the Yitzhahara very often will string this line of thought along to the point where it is no longer relevant. Meaning, the Yitzhahara only has to latch onto you until, as long as it is Shaykh for you to do the mitzvah or for the Avera. Um, you know, for. Uh, for example, they, 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 well, that's not a good example at all. Um, very, very often, our uh, our yitzharas are, are are very time bound, right? Again, when we're faced with a certain situation, let's say you can think of any situation in your life where you struggle spiritually. So, if it's a lifelong struggle, fine. But a lot of the struggles that we have are very time bound. They're very specific. Maybe it's a Shabbos. Maybe it's uh, you know for us those in high school, it was a high school relationship. I know you're not in high school anymore, but whatever, you know what I'm saying. It's, maybe it's uh, you're on vacation for the summer, there's not so much kosher food, etc., etc. Okay, so that, that's, that's a, that's a, the Yitzhahara very often will string that along until it's no longer relevant. Just use the last example. Let's say you're working in a camp and there's not real great kosher food options n n nearby. Uh, see, Yitzhahara will be like, eh, it's not such a big deal. It's this hexer, it's triangle K, it's cup K, it's uh, backwards K, I don't know, whatever. He'll just string you along and then when you get home and there's no there's no Yitzhahara for that, so then he, that, that has left you and you have no struggle with kashras anymore. But that's his point, I mean, cause, but now the battle's over. I mean, that's exactly what it is. So he'll string you along, so don't don't fall for that. I mean, that, that attitude, you know, don't let realize what he's doing to you uh, and kind of kick the door down. Uh, and don't let him. Uh, and don't let him do. Don't let him do that to you. Okay. And then finally, uh, ah, yeah. I mean, I just wanted to mention one last line over here. Just looking at my notes. Uh, there's a. I've quoted the band Shine Down to you guys before. Anybody hear of Shine Down? It's okay if you haven't. It's okay. Um, my favorite rock band of the, of the 2000s. Anyway, so they have a beautiful. Their their lyrics are brilliant. Um, aside from their music, but the lyrics are brilliant. So they have a, a lyric in a song called Call Me that says, I've said so many times, I changed my mind, no, never mind. And Mamash speaks to me very, very much. It's very, very deep. Um, and then the last line is, God knows I tried, which is obviously sarcastic. So that's the idea, meaning that a person shouldn't let the Yitzhahara take hold of them and say, oh, I'll change, not really. You know, a person should always realize that the Yitzhahara is trying to string them along. Okay, so that's two, the two types of people that have 
that have uh, motivation. One motivation by perfection, one motivated by, uh, by kavod. The third group of people, and this is the Monam, this is most of us, I would argue, myself certainly included, they're simply motivated by Scharvonish. Right? They want to enjoy the next world. They don't want to suffer in the next world. They, uh, you know, and 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 if for these people, again, for all these people, but these people specifically, for for those who really look, take a real serious look at Scarvonesh, right? An honest Jew, right? He looks at the Torah and what it demands, and you immediately cower and you get nervous and start freaking out um, because if you really really analyze the depths of our obligations, right, and how a Kosh Baruch who really cares about all the details. Details that we would generally ourselves discount, right? And think that they're not important, right? I think one of the reasons, again, it's not necessarily our fault. It's very much human nature. But a lot of the details that we would not care if someone else did the, that to us. Right? We, we, some of these things that we're going to read these examples of how the Kosh Baruch Hu dealt with the Sadiq and Kachut Asaira, that the Kosh Baruch Hu judged them to the umpteenth degree. If anybody did that to us, we'd be like, yeah, okay, whatever, fine. So, but but a Kosh Baruch Hu cares about all the details. We have a lot of details in Halakos, and, and they are specific. They're not just suggestions. So if you flip with me to uh, page Chavav, where he goes on uh, to uh, to a list of how Kosh Baruch Hu dealt with all our Avos, right? And, and that every single thing that they did, right? As you'll see, they're not egregious examples, but they were punished with serious, serious ramifications. Now, just to be careful, because we'll get to the positive at the end, but I don't want this to be entirely depressing. This flips both ways, right? We would expect a Kosh Baruch Hu to give us, or expect, we, <coughs> we would want a Kosh Baruch Hu to give us reward for giving uh, a quarter to Tzedakah. So the problem is that that flips backwards also. When we, whatever the equivalent it is in, in Avera, if you steal a quarter, that's also a problem. Right? So, it, on, meaning this is Kosh Baruch Hu dealing with us on a Kulo MS scope. Right? Kosh Baruch Hu is truth. Right? There's no such thing as multiple truths, as they say now in the Western world or whatever. There's truth. Kosh Baruch Hu is Kulo MS. He deals with the world, Mida Kenegad Mida. Right, specifically, as we'll see in a second, just how the sin is, so too the tikkun and the onesh is as well. Kosh Baruch Hu judges us on emes, and that is, and goes both ways. Right, we're going to get reward for the, all the small things, but we also, right, do have to figure out and think about the averos, that even the small ones. So let's just let's just dive in over here. Um, uh, with, uh, by Avram Avinu, right? By Avram Avinu, what did Avram said to him? Right, Avram, Kosh Baruch Hu, the Ramchal points out that Avram was called Avra, Avraham Ohavi. Right, Kosh Baruch Hu wrote in the Torah, "I love Avram." <laughs> it's not in the Torah; it's in, it's in, in Yeshayahu. But uh, but basically, what happened? Right, so if you remember, Avram said, "But me'edaki Rashana." Kosh Baruch Hu promised him Eretz Yisrael, and Avram said back, "How do I know?" Now, Chazal have different ways to understand what that means. How do I know? Prove it to me. It didn't mean really mean prove it to me. Just how how should I know? Show me a sign. Okay, either way. But <coughs> as the measure says, the Kosh Baruch Hu said, "Well, if you really want to know, your children will be slaves in a foreign country four hundred years." That's pretty intense. That that was uh, Kosh Baruch Hu didn't appreciate that comment, and the Jews were slaves in Egypt for four hundred years. That's pretty wild. It's furthermore, Avram made a bris with Avimelech. Which he should not have, and Akash Baruch Hu also said, "I'm going to." Since you made, uh, uh, is it seven? Yeah, he set aside seven sheep set for the for the treaty, and Akash Baruch Hu made Avram's descendants right Shevadoros, seven generations that they would not yet 
be settled in their land. By Yaakov Avinu, um, we know that when uh, Yaakov got angry at Rachel, Rachel said, I'm barren. Can I have I, Havalibanim? Bring me children. Yaakov got angry at her and he snapped at her and he said, I have kids. What's the problem? Uh, not really, but in, in that in that vein. So Kosh Prabhu said, that's what you think. That's that's really, that's what you're, uh, you, you can have that issue, right? So the, so your other sons are going to bow down to her son. Right? Uh, Yaakov, if you know, furthermore, the, the Ramchal writes, I'm just kind of paraphrasing from the, from the paragraphs over here. Fascinating episode. If anybody hear what Yaakov did to Dina when he met Esau, anybody know, familiar with this Rashi? Fascinating Rashi. When Yaakov met Esau, beginning Parshish Vayishlach, right? He sent all the messengers, Yaakov, Esau was coming, 400 men, etc. So he lined up his whole family, and they all bowed down. Dina is not mentioned in the Pasuk. So Chazal explained, the Medrash says <coughs> that Yaakov put Dina in a box. Because he didn't want Esau to see her and marry her. Now, I wouldn't want my kid to marry Esau either. But Yaakov was punished for that. And the Medrash says that, okay, you didn't want... A, a person with a bris milah to marry her, fine. She's going to be taken by someone without a bris milah, which happened right afterwards. She was raped by Shechem. Um, and, oh, fine, you don't want to marry her uh, to a Jew, you can marry her to a guy. Fine, you, you don't want her to be married in a mutter way, fine, she's going to be married in a non-mutter way. So, so right afterwards, she was raped, raped by Shechem. Just Agav, by the way, the Chazal asked, what, 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 would, what was he punished? I understand, what was he punished for? What, what Yaakov... Dina would have ended up what with Esav? Turning into a tremendous Russia, no? No, so Chazal explained that Dina could have could have impacted Esav and made him do tshuva. So everybody asks, like, I understand. Esav grew up with Yaakov, Yitzchak, Rivka, probably Avram and Sarah at some point in the household. And Dina was going to be the one who would uh, make him do tshuva. So Chazal explained, yeah, that's the koach of a wife. But okay, that's a that's a marriage here. But so we see that Chazal, right? All the all the all the people in the Chumid, right? All the tzaddikim were punished to Chutasaira. They made one misstep, and they got again. This is just not listing their tremendous rewards for all their tremendous mitzvahs. I told you it was going to be a little bit sobering today, but but we do see that Kosh Baruch is mida connected mida, right? Just like the chait, so too. So to the, the the punishment. Yosef said to Saramashkim, in Zikhartani Yitcha, right? The Yosef said to the Saramashkim, please remember me when you get out of this jail. Right? He said it twice. <coughs> so he had spent two more years uh, in jail. And he forget him for two more years. They asked Rav Chaim once. I understand. If he would have said it once, he would have gotten one more year. Is that how it works here? So Rav Chaim said, to, Rav Chaim Briska said to them, no, he would have gotten nothing. Because that's normal hashtadlis. That's proper effort. But he said, if you look at the puzzle, it says twice. Right, so Zechartani is something like that twice. You should remember me twice. So since he did it twice, that's where he got the punishment. And he says, furthermore, Yosef also, uh, if you notice, notice in the Psukim, Yosef dies before all his brothers. He lived the least out of all his brothers. And that happened because of two things, the Medrash says, because he embalmed his father without asking, uh, and also because he said, Avdecha Yaakov, Right, that uh, that the and didn't say anything when Avdukhay, when Yaakov said, "Your servant, I am your servant," and Yosef didn't say anything back. It was a breach of Kibbutz Avayim. So again, you see these tiny, tiny little things. But with they, the Chazal were punished, for, or you know, the Tzaddikim were punished for that. David Amelech, he keeps on going. I hate to keep on uh, you know beating beating a dead horse, but he keeps on saying that David called Divrei Torah Zemiros. Uh, that's a puzzle to tell him. Zemiros is a little bit too simchadik. Torah is amazing. Torah is, is wonderful, but it's also very serious. Uh, to call them Zemiros was almost too fun, as it were. So it says, says the Medrash that 
David in the time when he was bringing up the Aron, right? He decided to bring the Aron to the base Hamikdash, or to the at least to Yushalayim, right? He didn't build the base Hamikdash, but he's bringing the Aron up to Yushalayim. So Uzzah, if you remember, touched the Aron and died, right? And they had this whole derailment of all the simchas and all the festivities that happened because David took Torah, not not treated it too lightly, but he called it Samiros, right? This for this simple infraction, right? So just because David was almost a little bit too celebratory in Simchadik, so his Simcha was interrupted. Similarly, Michal, Ashes David, right? Also, so when the Aron finally did make its way to Yishalayim and David was dancing, David Mecharker, he was dancing before the Aron, Michal said some not nice things to him, said, hey, that's not how a king should should uh, should behave. David's like, what do you mean? This is the uh, this is the Aron, this is the bringing to Yushalayim. Why shouldn't I dance in front of a Kash Baruch Hu? For that, Michal was punished, and the Machlokas, whether she had a kid the day he, she died, or she didn't have any kids at all, again, because she criticized David's proper simcha, so she didn't have the simcha herself of having a child. Chizkiyahu also, and Chizkiyahu showed off the wealth of Yishalayim to the Sari Bavel, and his children <coughs> ended up being officers to uh, the king in Bavel. So, there, and there are a lot of examples like that, and that's basically what he, that's how, that's the one he ends. He brings another, just to, if you think just that's from Tanakh, he brings another one from Chagiga. That's a Gemara when Reuchan would cry. The pasuk says, "V'karavti alechal lamishpat," that a pasuk says, "Hashem will bring us close for judgment." Gemara says has several reasons why Rabbi Yochanan cried for this. One of them is the pasuk lists a bunch of averos that we will be judged for, and two of them in the pasuk is avodazara and dinimamanos and like theft. And says Rabbi Yochanan, I don't understand. Are we going to get punished? Just are we going to get punished for this for those averos equally? Now it doesn't mean we're going to get judged for them equally, but it means they'll be judged together. That's what Ramchal writes that. The one dollar of eros, shall we say? Let's say the hundred dollar of eros does not eliminate the penny of eros, right? The nickel and dime of eros, right? Those are all just lumped together, right? And like Shlomo Melech says over here, like just like a kosh baruch who doesn't allow any small mitzvah to go unrewarded, so the same is true Rachman uh, al of averos. Again, he just keeps on quoting all of these mamari chazal, right? That uh, that uh, kind of inf- that that point out that Kosh Baruch who treats mida connected mida all actions, every single little thing. You give a smile to the guy in the grocery store, not the guy, the girl in the grocery store. You give uh, a tzedakah to the to the ani, a quarter, a dollar, everything. All those go reward. Unre- those, all those go rewarded, and so too with the averos rachman and Um uh, Yeah, fine. Now. What is basically um, good. This is the concept of zihirus, of being careful, basically in everything, not just the larger issues, right? Not just. Uh, unfortunately, we we tend to pay attention to the larger issues, right? And and we focus on the larger issues. We don't really necessarily pay attention to the smaller details. As we get older, and as you guys progress and get, you know, you guys are alumni and and moving on in your lives. So I encourage you to look into the details. I think a lot of sem is about kind of orienting yourself, right? Almost like the first paragraph, the first or two chapters or two in Mitzvahs Hasharim. But now that you're getting older, so then it's it's time to start moving through this Mitzvahs Hasharim and start getting down to the nitty gritty, right? You guys are Baruch Hashem on the right path. So now it's about kind of finding out the details, right? When the Yitzhahara says, and this is just a, again to paraphrase a little bit more, when the Yitzhahara says, "No, just sin and a Kosh Baruch will forgive you," right? That's not a thing. 
Right, that's not a thing. It's a Gemara of Avakama, right? Kola Omer Akosh Poruchu Vatron Hu Yivatru Meohi or Maosi or something like that. That anybody, when Akosh Poruchu, if anybody says Akosh Poruchu is a Vatron, is a uh, merciful and, and forgives and just sweeps things under the rug, that person will lose, will lose their life. Meaning Hashem is Kulo Emes, right? Akosh Poruchu is truth, 100% truth, right? Tamid Bechodorachov Mishpat, right? Everything he does is true. Now, all of this has been depressing. And according, now it says Ramchal, according to the Midas Adin, <coughs> we should get punished immediately without any mercy, with no opening for forgiveness whatsoever. Now, so where, where is all the Torah <coughs> that we've heard and that we've studied all our lives, that Kosh Baruch Hu is merciful, the Midas HaRachimim, and we should do tshuva, etc., etc. So that's what Ramchal says, that the consolation to all of this is the Midas HaRachimim and the gift that a Kosh Baruch Hu has given. But, and this is before we talk about that, he says it's super important not to make the mistake. A lot of people think that when we say Hashem is merciful, etc., etc., et it means He doesn't punish us. He will give an excuse. We'll get up to Shemayim at 320. We'll have some sort of lawyer in that big court. It wasn't a big deal. He was, she was struggling with this. He was struggling with that. That's not what it means. It doesn't mean that a Kosh Baruch Hu forgets and forgives and doesn't care. Kosh Baruch Hu does care. But Kosh Baruch Hu gives us tremendous rachamim, tremendous mercy uh, with the punishments and with the, the judgments and the following three things. First of all, he waits. doesn't come immediately. And you'll see in a second why. As You could probably guess why, but we'll get there in a second. Number two, the punishment, as he quotes here, doesn't come with charon af. doesn't come with anger and fury, but it's meted out in measure. And that, if you can imagine, right? if you remember by the Chet Ego, Moshe Davin, Hashem, Hashem wanted to destroy Am Yisrael. So Hashem said, no problem, but I'm going to stretch out the punishment over time. That's what Kosh Baruch does for us, right? Even if for whatever reason, Rahman al-Islam, God forbid, he says that we need a punishment, it's stretched out. It's not all at once. And three, and this is the real culmination of why Kosh Baruch waits and why he stretches out punishments, is that we can do Teshuvah. And Teshuva is... I don't want to call it a magic elixir, but it's a magic elixir. And, and there, this is something that he writes, again, if you're on, I'm, I'm kind of going back and forth between page Chavtes and Lamed. The first line on page Lamed is, is something that he underscores. This is crucial to understand. She'avon sar mamash me'am tziut v'nekar. That the sin leaves, literally leaves from reality and is uprooted. That tshuva has the ability to literally change history. So you, when a person does tshuva, he, they take the sins, the averus that they did in the past, and they turn them into mitzvahs. Literally, that's what, that's what he explains. Now, there are three aspects to tshuva over here. And again, I, I'm sure when it comes time for Rosh Hashanah, this discussion will come up again. But... Um, as we said before, you know, as we said last week, uh, it's not only good to think about tshuva and what path we're on once a year by Rosh Yom Kippur. Uh, it's good to do it now in the middle of Tammuz. So he says there are three aspects to tshuva. This you know, but again, important to uh, reiterate. There are three R's, as I like to call it. Realization, regret, and resolve. Right? First, first step is to realize the chait. Is that's part of the cheshbon and nefesh, to take an accounting of what you're doing. That's to realize there's something that is inappropriate. Two is the regret. Uh, unfortunately, a lot of us don't necessarily regret our sins, even though we may realize it was technically, quote-unquote, usser. Um, and three, right, there's the resolve not to do it again. 
And that certainly uh, comes after uh, much uh, introspection. But that is the stages of tshuva. And that's the tremendous chesed that Akash Baruch Hu has allowed for us. Right? This delay in punishment, this lessening, this slacking of the punishment, right, is, uh, is a great chesed of Hashem that allows us to kind of fix what we've done. But that doesn't mean there's no midas adin, right? That means that Akash Baruch Hu, uh, is waiting for our tshuva. So basically, he finishes off this parak saying that, once a person studies all this and can internalize this, so there's really no rationalizing. Right? If a person is self-aware and understands how the world works, right? if, per, so z, if a person is zahir, zahirus, if a person is careful, is analyzes and thoughtful and realizes where this world, how this world exists, so there's no way to rationalize just skipping and just kind of skipping through life and coasting through life without without thinking, right? Whatever motivates you, whether you're a perfectionist, whether you're cover driven, whether you're like the rest of us and afraid of Scharva Onesh, that that motivates you. If you're a Baal Nefesh, as he says the last line, if you're a Baal Nefesh, if you're concerned about your spirituality in this world and you've studied these four paragraph, these four chapters, <clears throat> five, including the introduction, and you know this is how it works and you're faced with the reality of the MS, so that there's nothing that can stop you from being careful, right? It may, you may not spend three hours a day analyzing your life, but once you are reading about this reality and you've thought about it to an extent where this is the truth for you, so you can't help, right? Well, what do we start with? How do we acquire an ability to be careful and thoughtful and analyze our lives? Well, once we realize how messed over we will be without it, right, whatever drives you, right, it, it really becomes crucial. Right? If a person wants to get a job and they analyze all the situations that they want to be a lawyer and they analyze all the situations and they realize, well, the only way for me to go to be a lawyer is to go to college and then go to law school. So they're going to suck it up and go to college and go to law school, even though you have to take student loans and study your head off. It, it's not easy. He's not saying it's easy, but he says once you realize the truth of the situation, the reality of the world is that it demands that we take an accounting of our, of our days, our lives, our months, our weeks, at least, Right, some sort of two-minute type of rundown, just to think about right what we're doing and how we're spending our lives. So that's that's how he, he kind of ends off uh, Perik Dalit. And it's a shem. Next week we'll do Perik Hay. He's going to talk about pitfalls, right? Way things that the Yitzhahara does, right? Traps that the Yitzhahara tries to get, uh, tries to trap you and make you not careful. Uh, things that the this world, this physical world, by definition, uh, you know, causes a person not to be careful. But it's a shem. After that, we'll finish off. And we'll all be much more uh, thoughtful, analytical, and careful people. All right, everybody. Have a great night. And we'll speak to you soon. See you guys, Mr. Shem, on Thursday. Please, God.